Hey, hi, my name is Scott Eastman, and I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And I'm Becky Alcantar. I'm the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. Love that. And you're listening to the whole podcast where we, podcast by podcast, just talk about ways that we can, I don't know, deal with life both in the present and in the past and building towards the future, right? I don't know why I'm adding taglines. Perfect. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it helps helps us understand exactly what we're trying to achieve here. Right. Because so much of Journey to Wholeness, which is the root of the whole podcast, is this idea of, you know, looking back at where we've been, Mm -hmm. you know, to determine, you know... Where we are. Where we are. Like how we... like. Like what? What condition our car is in, right? Like Literally, what, right. we're taking an inventory, just assessing where we're at, what we have in our toolboxes, what belongs there, what doesn't belong there, yeah, and then what we need to do about that. Yeah, I love that. And so we've been talking about, especially in this era of you know pandemics and cultural crises, and just like I mean, like you can't wake up a day without there being murder hornets, or you know <laughs> what I mean. Is that the killer yeah. hornet? Were they murder? I think it was murder hornet. <laughs> yeah, they, it's just amplified right now, right? It really is just the condition of our everyday lives. We have this going on all the time. We don't always have it amplified in this way and then collectively in this way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've been talking about different things that are happening and you know how it affects each one of us. So today, though, mm-hmm. uh, we got together and we decided we we're going to talk about coping. Yeah, how Not like are a coping, you coping saw. Oh, I don't know I, what a coping I saw does. It's a, a thing, though. I didn't know that existed. I feel like it's like a it's a it's like a saw with a really narrow blade and a really big tall arm to it, so you can like cut out stuff. I yeah, don't know. I can't put any analogy to that. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about coping though, because I feel like we're all in a place where we're trying to figure this out. Where absolutely, we were talking in the pre-show about how one of the reasons that we want to get back to normal is because we had developed a skill set. Correct. Good or bad, mm-hmm. right? Of how we coped with the pressures of life. Like Absolutely. when things were difficult, we would do this. And a lot of those things were taken away from us on March 11th when like people started getting sick and things started shutting down. Wow. Right? You know the exact date. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. And so like we've been dealing with this since then. Like if we, if, if we would go out with friends to get a drink to help cope, but we couldn't do that. Correct. Right. Or if we would like you know, go to the mall to do the, you know, de-stress or to cope. We couldn't do that. Correct. Or we would just hang out with friends in their backyard or in their living room and just mm-hmm. hug it out. We couldn't do that. Yeah. You couldn't even get uh, supplies to bake or cook or, no. or get any of those things to comfort yourself. Right. Right. Uh, so we, our lives were disrupted completely. And when I think of people saying, let's get back to normal, often I'm hearing, let's get back to the state I was in because I had spent a lot of time developing some coping mechanisms to help me through life. Now that got disrupted. Now I'm having to either determine if I'm going to face the underlying issues that I'm dealing with, or if I uh, can find new coping strategies, or if I'm going to amplify the ones that I had. And we have heard of uh, those who have been experiencing amplified coping mechanisms that are self-destructive. we really had to do an assessment. We didn't want to do that, right? We had developed all of our strategies and put them in place so that we could get through day-to-day life. Hmm. Now those were being challenged. What did you do in response? And so I think the question for everyone listening today is to decide or, or to ask, how am I coping? 
what am I doing today that's different from yesterday? Is it better or worse? And I like to always start out by defining what we mean by a certain term. And when we refer to coping mechanisms, we're talking about habits, addictions, and dependencies, the things that we use, attach to, or love in an effort to cope with the pains of life. We were not created to live a life of pain. And let me say that again, because I think some of us have that wrong, right? I guess this is a life I was dealt. I guess God wants me to struggle or hurt in this way for some glory or martyrdom. And that's not true. He created us, designed us, wired us to seek, avoid pain and to be free from pain and to then seek out the goodness of life. And so if uh, you develop a coping mechanism that isn't helpful, uh, then it's time to assess that. So are, you, are the coping mechanisms that you're pursuing or using helpful? All habits, addictions, and dependencies aren't all destructive, but they also may not be helpful or u- useful in helping us to effectively grieve and heal, so they're enabling us. They're allowing us to not pursue our healing. They're allowing us to remain where we are in the subpar life. Hmm. We both brought notebooks today yeah, to write yeah. down things that we thought of while the other person was talking, and I thought of like six things while Becky was talking, and I didn't write one of them down. So, but like, I wanted to go back, and you kind of, you, you started there. You talked in your definition. Mm-hmm. Can you give me those things again? Yeah, so there are the habits, addictions, and dependencies. None of those things sound good, <laughs> right? None of those things have a positive, like I can't think of a positive connotation to any one of those things, Okay. right? Habits, addictions, and uh-huh. what was the last one? Dependencies. Yeah, that, what, I... Right. Mm-hmm. So like, but then you said in your sort of uh, continuation, you talked about like, not all are bad, but I can't think of one mm-hmm. dependency. I can't think of one addiction. I can't think of one habit, mm-hmm. you know, that's good. So a great coping mechanism that many of us use during uh, our time at home, during the isolation, we started walking right? Mm. People were walking like mad. I've never seen so many people on the trails yeah. uh, in the city. And that's one great habit. It gets our cardiovascular system moving. It actually rings out any tension or stress in your body. It improves your muscle strength, right? All of those are proactive in our growth, in our healing, uh, in our processing out in our body. Because remember, your body is a network of uh, nerves. So in as much as your brain is processing, your body is processing as well. Your digestion is processing as well. So that gave us the opportunity to just move and just squeeze out some of those stresses that we were uh, experiencing. Uh, we didn't just do that because suddenly we thought that would be great for our health. We did it in response to our bodies needing to move. I think a lot of people said that I can't stay still any longer. I had to do something. Mm. So that's a great habit to incorporate, especially if you're someone um, who builds up um, stresses. Maybe you take things in, you don't actually process outward. Uh, you're an internal processor. A lot of that can get built up in your body and you can do that. Um, dependencies what are or who are we depending on right so if we're in a healing process are we talking to a therapist are we talking to a pastor are we talking to a friend a dependency can be great in accountability um there's also we always say this your strength can be your weakness right so in everything any excess of anything can be negative so if we get to the point where we can't move forward or walk into our day without 
uh, accessing that dependency, that person we're dependent on or that thing we're dependent on, now we have a problem, right? The goal isn't for us to remain in that and be crippled when we don't have access to that. The goal is for it to help us along the way. It's kind of like the crush, the scaffolding as we're in our healing process. Hmm. Yeah. You know, the other thing I thought of while you were talking is I thought about how sometimes the, the things that we would use to help us, th- our coping me- mechanisms, right, to help us get through a situation aren't necessarily remedies, mm-hmm. right, for our situation Correct. or addressing our situation, Correct. but they do help us forget about it for a little while or mm-hmm. make the pain go away for a little while mm-hmm. or, you know, fill a gap for a little while. Absolutely. And then sometimes then we don't even want a remedy anymore because we enjoy the... We enjoy the 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 the, what, what, the analgesic, right? Um, of it, right? So like we like we love the experience of the coping mm-hmm. more than we yes. want the problem to go away. Yes, absolutely. So we actually have a physiological response to those things, right? That's why we're pursuing them. So uh, if it gives us that rise in dopamine uh, and it reduces the cortisol, even if it's temporary, that's great. That's the feeling that we get attached to. Over time, it takes more and more of that to get to that state, right? But it's still temporary. Right. And that's the problem with it. If it's temporary, then we're going to have to keep chasing after it to get there. Now, all of us do that in our lives. Some uh, we can enter into a healing process. We're going we're gonna to address the underlying issues that we have. And we get to a certain point, and I always refer to that cup. I've emptied. My cup was spilling over. I was having really emotional um, encounters. It was embarrassing. I was ashamed of that. And so I, I, I dealt with some of it. And now the top of that cup, you know, we, had, we spilled out, you know, some of what was going on there. And so now when you bump my cup, it doesn't slash over so Uh, easily, but there's still a lot in that cup. So the question is, what's going to come along that's going to bump that cup hard enough, like a pandemic, that actually makes it slosh over some? And so we can be satisfied in that, oh, well, I'm not having those uh, occurrences so frequently or so quickly because I've dealt with some of it. And we think, well, we're good now until something comes along that hits and bumps that cup a little harder. And now it comes up again and we can feel ashamed and self-blame and say, oh, I, I, I thought I had dealt with that. I guess I didn't. I must be a failure. I'm never going to get through this. And we start to get into those extremes. Uh, but that's not true. We just got to a certain place and said, this this feels good. Let me stay there. Again, we're wired for that. We're looking for goodness. We're looking for feeling happy and joyful and content. Uh, but then we can stay there too long and be satisfied with that when, when we really have the capacity uh, to achieve more and God is extending to us even greater satisfaction and joy in our life. I feel like two things happen in those situations. And I feel like you, you like double down on destruction. Mm. So by not addressing the real issue, mm-hmm. you can't grow, right? So now you've got this limb, if you'll allow me that illustration, that yeah. you don't use anymore. You know, mm-hmm. hey, it hurts when I use this limb, so I'm not going to use it. And then like, what is it called when this starts happening? Like when you, like, like I feel like, 
Sorry, I was showing. When you're twisted? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like if you don't use a muscle, what's it like when you don't use a muscle for atrophy. a Atrophy. Atrophy, right? So your ability to change, your ability to fix mm. it, atrophies. Yeah. Right? So so by by covering the pain with something temporal mm-hmm. or temporary, we don't, we don't exercise that muscle and then that muscle atrophies. That's great. Right? So now you now, and then, and then, so that's the first side of the double down on destruction. Mm-hmm. The second side is that. Oftentimes, the things that we're using, as you mentioned, that we're using to help us cope, our coping mechanisms, while okay in small measures, maybe, mm-hmm. or you know, here and there, maybe, mm-hmm. like anything, if it's an all-the-time thing, that's destructive in itself. Like mm-hmm. when I think about, like we're the we're the drunkest city in America, right? Or Appleton is one Green Bear Appleton. We're is pretty the, high up. Was drunk, top ten. Top ten. Right. Yeah. And I think about like what is that? It's not because we've got a bunch of great microbreweries, right? Or we, you know, it's not. That's not the reason. There's 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 a great deal of pain here, mm-hmm. and because of our traditions, our I don't want to say ethnicities, but I you know I think about us Polacks and the Germans and the I mean like the, uh, there's uh, you know like oh when life gets hot, tough you know have a right. beer have right. a whiskey right. right? And so you can't go on social media without people saying, oh, I can't wait to get back with my girls and have some wine and forget about my kids. Oh, for right? sure. Like, and that's cute and it's funny and it makes a nice t-shirt. It does not make a nice t-shirt. <laughs> but like we – I mean it's charming, mm-hmm. right? Because on the surface you're like, oh, yeah, no, nothing wrong with a glass of wine with some friends, mm-hmm. right? Unless it's a glass of wine like eight times a week mm-hmm. with your friends because you're atrophying the muscle to like, if you're having a hard time with your kids, fix what's going on with your kids. Mm-hmm. If there's something wrong with them, fix them. If there's something wrong with you, fix it. Don't don't just ignore it and like cover it up with a glass of wine. And I'm not just trying to pick on moms right now. Like this is everybody. Right. It's everybody. Yeah. Right. I've got this problem with my wife. She doesn't make me happy. I clearly don't make her happy. So I'm going to look at dirty pictures on the internet. Mm. Well, okay, that's a temporary fix, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a good fix. Right. It's a temporary fix because you feel justified in doing it. But you're atrophying the muscle of fixing it with your wife. Right. Right? And so that's destructive. And then, you know, looking at dirty pictures on the internet, that's destructive. You're changing your whole mind as to how, like, this whole thing is supposed to work. Yeah. It starts in small measures, right? So initially it feels good to find others who are struggling in the same area. And that's great to be transparent and say, yeah, this is really hard, right? The question is, are the mechanisms you're using to cope proactive in your growth? Now, initially, like I said, it starts in small measures. So it's not hurting anyone, right? That's how we start out. Until we're the drunkest city in America and uh, there's DUIs and there's accidents and there's loss of life and there's death and there then then it's a problem right but until then we all kind of say oh it's fine up until this point the question is what cultural environment are you living in and what is that point for some cultures it's it's like nothing don't do it at all for others well a little bit well for others a little bit more and depending on where you go if you ever left your home community you can be shocked by the fact that that's what we do here, that there's a bar on every corner here in Wisconsin, right? And we laugh about it and we joke about it, right? Because, yep, that's how it is. And that's a great first step, right? Don't be ashamed of it. Don't cover it up because that doesn't help the situation either. But then the next step is, well, why do we do that? And we 
don't frequently ask the question, why? Why am I feeling emotional right now, right? And when we do, we'll answer that question with a quick answer. Well, so-and-so made me do it, or this person, the way they were acting, or this person got me mad, or if it wasn't for my job, I wouldn't feel this way, or if it wasn't for my family, I wouldn't feel this way. And then we stop there, and then we return to our coping mechanism. Um, but the question is, are we getting anywhere with that? Yeah. Have I actually gotten to the root of that so that I don't have to keep looking to these temporal places to deal with my everyday life? So the world's going to offer us up a lot of coping mechanisms for all of our hurts, pains, and discomforts. Um, there's temporal pleasures, but there's also other things that you wouldn't think of, like achievement. So that working out I talked about earlier, where you're walking, well, now I'm working out to an excess, where I'm causing injury to my joints, um, I'm causing adrenal fatigue in my system. Um, it can be losing weight, where I'm just like on every app, tracking every day my weight and uh, what I'm eating and my calories. And so to the point that it consumes my life, and now I'm focused on that, so coping mechanism. I don't want to look at, or I don't know how, and, and that's what I thought of as you were talking earlier. We don't do these things because we're like, ah, forget that. Usually, initially, we do them because we don't know the way out. We don't know how to ask those questions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We weren't taught how to enter into those places. We don't have communal um, environments where we can walk in and just have a discussion. Now, you might say, well, there's groups for that and group therapy, but do you know, like you personally, as you're listening, do you know where you would go to have a conversation about these things that you would feel safe in? Now, Journey to Wholeness helps to provide that for people, but for the masses, unless you're listening to this right now, where do I go to address these things? Yeah. I know that I have a cut or a bruise or a scrape or a broken bone. I'm going to go to the clinic. Now, I might go to the clinic for something that I'm dealing with inside of me, but what am I going to get there usually? I'm usually going to get some kind of temporal fix. I'm right. going to get some medication. Right. Now, that might be necessary right now. I'm not saying that you know you have to feel bad about that. If you need medication to help you, again, scaffolding. If you need medication to help you so that you can settle things down in your body, in your mind that have gone become unbalanced and I'm not saying like you know we're all unbalanced but there is an unbalance that happens in us um, when we can't deal with the emotions or the memories or the physical pains hurts that we've experienced if we need something to help us along the way that's okay but the question still is is that taking me toward proactive growth if I take that and I stay in that place did that actually help me well it settled down the chaos but the point of that was to settle down the chaos so that I could actually do the deep work so that I can get to healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved a couple of things that you said there. One was talking about uh, the distraction of accomplishment or things like that. And that's, and that's more than just right. Fitness or right. weight loss, oh, right. That, that, work. That, that can happen at work, mm -hmm. right. That can happen, you know, with your hobbies that can happen with your yes. friends, can, anything that like, you know, just takes you out of your pain. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if, if, if things at home are causing me pain, I'm just not going to spend time at home. Right, right. Yeah. So you become a, a chronic workaholic, right? right? You take pride in that because you feel you have some achievement in it. So you feel good about it. It distracts you from what you feel bad about, yeah. right? And so you get accolades and pats on the back 
for achieving and accomplishing those things when maybe at home you're not appreciated and uh, you don't have discussion or relationship and right. you don't feel like you're achieving anything. Right. And so then you can also be a friendaholic and mm-hmm. you can be a fishaholic, yes. right? You can be a huntaholic. Yep. You could be a shopaholic. You could be, right? All these things so that take many. you out of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and all those things are just as destructive as the first aholic that we know of, right? As, as being an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. Like like all the holics are just as bad as the first aholic, mm-hmm. right? Just because, I don't know, there's not like a, a social condemnation, right? To being right. a fishaholic. Right. But like, and then there's nothing wrong with fishing. Like I think people that fish are great. I can't fish because I get, I can't sit still that long. It mm-hmm. feels like if fishing were fishing and not, like I wish fishing were catching. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like if you caught stuff, <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. But if you're just out there, well, and think about each of those, we create these monuments to them, right? So we go, well, I drink a lot. It's on the verge of not being well. I'm doing this to deal with something that I don't want to really look at. And so um, we're going to look at um, making this a lifestyle. So we're going to get the wine shirts and we're going to get the wine collections and we're going to get the same thing with food, right? So often when someone leaves alcoholism or drug addiction, they'll go to something else and become addicted to that. Right. So they're moving away from something that's very destructive to something that's less destructive. But it doesn't mean that it's not destructive. And so uh, we we call ourselves foodies when we have an addiction to food. Right. And Mm -hmm. we're using food to cope with whatever bad day we had. And it's easily accessible. And uh, it's not as condemned as maybe the other two because we're not hurting anyone else but we kind of are right when we're limiting our life expectancy because we're putting things into our body that are breaking us down from the inside well as long as it's on the inside and you can't see it on the outside then we're okay with that and so we have foodaholics who are unhealthy who maybe are not overweight but they're uh, diabetic now or they have autoimmune issues right and so because we don't see it on the outside we say well you know that's acceptable and okay but we kind of say that because if we're not having to face it it doesn't disrupt my life right and if it yeah. disrupts my life then i have to consider whether or not there's changes that i need to make if there's things that i'm using to cope that aren't healthy for me that we need to address so as long as i can't see it then we're okay with that because it doesn't disrupt my life and that's the most destructive of all yeah. because we allow people to live in those states um, without actually asking the hard questions. What's going on? Are you okay? How are you feeling right now? And taking the yeah. time to do those things. And we things. don't do that. And I feel like this, here's a, here's a turning point in our conversation just now mm-hmm. is that, is that we don't, we either are embarrassed to ask or we don't care enough to ask or, or we've never had asking modeled to us. So we don't know we should ask. But I'm telling you, like right now, like not just you, listener, in your coping things, if you're seeing weird behavior in someone else Mm -hmm. and you notice it, like if you see something, say something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, and we don't do that. Mm -hmm. We don't, oh, poor, but then we'll talk about them. (gasps) Did you see Nancy? Mm -hmm. She was so lit last night. Mm -hmm. La, la, la. Right? Like we love that. Yeah. Because we're, we love My gosh, what's her problem? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Housewives of... Mm-hmm. Right, like we love that. That's more mm-hmm. intriguing to us than actually caring about somebody. Mm-hmm. We'd much rather gossip about with someone than care about mm-hmm. them, typically. Right? And why though? There's a discomfort. I might ask somebody something, 
But I have no idea what to do if they were to say something. So I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, don't even ask how someone's doing because you'll have to pause. And then what if you don't know the answer? And I think we're so afraid of not knowing the answer when really that's not what's required of us. Yeah, they're not even looking for an answer. Maybe they're just looking for someone to hear them I or hear someone to care, right, to care enough to say, let's figure this out together. I see you. I see your pain. Yeah. It's what grief is. I see your pain. I'm going to sit with you here in it so that you're not alone. And that sometimes is just enough for someone to go, you know what? I'm going to leave space for this because up until now I've been running from it. I have been doing everything possible to run from every situation that I've been encountering and facing and feeling like I have no tools or resources and I can't even talk about it because there's no acceptable place to talk about it. And who do I talk to? Because as soon as I say something to someone, they get that look on their face like, what is your problem? Why are you so weird? And it's not because they think you're weird. It's because they are ill-equipped to actually help you in that circumstance. And so you see how this becomes this vicious cycle and so we all just return to our preferred coping mechanism and all enter into it sometimes together creating monuments to them so that it's not so weird or offensive or strange or makes us feel like maybe we should do something because the point of grief and the point of anxieties and the point of stresses and the point of emotions is to draw our attention to the fact that something needs to be done. It's trying to get us to take action. It's why you feel a, a heart, your heart beating fast. It's why you feel flush. It's why when someone you're about to be in a car accident, you react immediately. There's parts of our brain that just immediately act and then let you process and think about it later. So if you're in the mode where you're just reacting and acting out and you're like, wow, that happened so quick, you have to allow the space for that part of your uh it's the prefrontal cortex of your brain to actually now assess what is it that happened? Why did we react that way? What can we gain from this experience? And what do we need to process and let go of? Because remember, you had this heightened response in your body, in your emotions, in um your your muscles and and your uh, hormones that you need to process as well unfortunately we move so fast as a society it's just the way we are that we don't always leave room for that actual breaking down and it's necessary that we do that when we don't there we go to our coping mechanisms go ahead sorry <laughs> you know as you're talking i think about this thing about how you don't need to have the answers that you just need to be present for them. Yeah. And I feel like we might've talked about this in another episode where we talked about how sometimes when people are, um, when people are freaking out, one of the tools that they'll use or that they encourage you to use is like, you know, take a deep breath, right. You know, name five colors around you, right. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, identify something, look mm -hmm. at me, breathe. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes we get so caught up in our, in our, in our problem, whatever it is, the thing that we've been trying to cope with or, mm -hmm. you know, that we'll get so caught up in this cycle. Like we're just spinning and spinning and spinning and the, oh my gosh. And, the, and you just need someone to hold you by the face and say, I'm here. Right. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Like name four colors in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Just so you can be present because you're not just lost in this whirlwind because I feel like we can get adrift. I, you know, visually, I'm a visual person, a parable person, mm -hmm. right? So I think about like 
being in space, right? Like when you get untethered yeah. from the ship. Yes. You know what I mean? And then you're just floating. Like you can't, there's no little, little jet packs in your wrists or your feet. You can't maneuver your way back and you're just adrift. Mm-hmm. And you hope that someone will come to you and like hold you by the space helmet and say, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you. And it's easy to get that way. You're not a freak mm-hmm. for feeling that way. You're not a freak for not, for feeling untethered, for mm-hmm. feeling adrift. Yeah. That's everybody. Yeah. Everybody, if you think for one second that you're the only person, that's your first mistake. And so... I I love how you said uh, the breath. Uh, It just reminded me, I I was just reading something where they said that the name of God, Yahweh, was actually the them trying to describe the intake and outflow of breath. So, yes, Yahweh. And breathing in itself does so much. It's also how God designed us to operate in the world. So if you think about when you said untethered, I thought disassociation. Now I'm untethered. I'm cut off. And life is subpar because I can't be in relationship because I was so overstimulated that I just, everything just shut down. My nervous system, my capacity for growth. Like it just all shut down and I, I want someone to come and get me, but I'm terrified if they come and get me because I will have to awaken all the things that I was terrified of that were going on inside of me that I finally got to shut down, right? And so that's part of it. When you um, breathe out, uh, usually like in yoga meditation, they tell you breathe out, right? And when you do that, you can actually feel your body slow down. That's what disassociation is. You have breathed out so far and long that you've dissociated yourself. And when you breathe in, so you see athletes doing this, they take big, deep breaths. And if you did that right now, you would actually feel your heart rate start to pick up. You would feel your mind get clear. Uh, It's getting you ready for action. When we breathe in, and I think of someone in a panic attack, you're taking short breaths and you can't catch your breath, right? You're probably feeling it right now if you've ever experienced one. Now I've overstimulated myself and I'm in a stress mode. I'm activated, but I don't have any way to exert that in any way. God is breathing in and breathing out. We were meant to take in and to give out, to take in and give out. In this rhythm that keeps us balanced. All that is happening when we get overwhelmed is that we have breathed in too long or breathed out too long and didn't have that counter experience. We were made for relationship. And I know that a lot of people are like, relationships just cause me trouble. (laughs) I have more problems in relationships. And yet without that, we're only breathing out and not breathing in. We were meant to do both. And when we do that, and we're breathing in and out in rhythm, we're in sync with how God created us, but also all of our systems are balanced and working as they should. Now, they're also created to help us to counteract anything that we may experience. So the fact that you sometimes have to breathe in more so that you can respond to something, that's a good thing that helps us to survive, that helps us to get through life. The fact that you can breathe out and bring calm to your body, that's also important, right? So neither of them is wrong. Uh, The problem is when we have been in one or the other for so long that now we need someone to walk with us to lead us into the other so that we can regain that balance. I love that. I love the thought that God is our breath, right? He's the in and out. Both are required. Both are gifts to us. 
both are okay. We don't have to be ashamed of one or the other, or if you got stuck in one or the other, all that means, again, take inventory. What is it that needs to be addressed that your mind, your body, your spirit is trying to bring your attention to? Hmm. I love that. I find that I do a lot of sighs. I sigh a lot. Mm -hmm. My wife tells me that Mm -hmm. was a big sigh. Like I find like I do that a lot, and I don't like that I do it a lot. I feel like there's I'm not happily sighing. Mm-hmm. I'm frustratedly sighing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So hearing you talk about breaths, like I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Like why is it like I just feel like I just, and maybe it is. Maybe it's a cleansing breath because I just feel overwhelmed and right. you know, I need to like a sigh. It's just a really slow breath, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that all a sigh is? Exactly. You know what I mean? And so. You know, I think feel like just like my mind and my body need it mm-hmm. in that moment. Absolutely. And but sometimes like again we like assign this negative connotation. Oh, what's your problem? Uh-huh. Is what we want to say when yes. someone sighs. Why? We don't know what to do about what you're experiencing right now because I don't know what to do when I experience that. Yeah. That's all that is. And when we can do that, sometimes we just gotta settle down a bit <laughs> and stop um, assuming things about what someone else is thinking and and. Assuming that people know exactly what's in our headspace. They don't, right? Their experience, everyone is just consumed with their personal experience. (laughs) That's what's happening right now. And so when we enter into that dialogue as well, now we're just exasperating the situation, right? Which leads us, again, to things that are uh, helping us to cope. Again, if you're, if you're coping right now, there is no condemnation for you. God gave us these abilities to seek these things. What I'm saying is there are better coping mechanisms that you can pursue that are going to bring you growth, that are going to bring you health. And we talk about in Journey to Wholeness, where do we look that's temporal? Um, we can look to the world. We talked about a few of those. We can look to others, right? Often we you know, become dependent on others or want others to answer us or, or heal us. And scripture says in Isaiah 43, 11, that apart from me, there is no other savior. And if you're looking for that guy or that girl or that friend or that group of people to be your savior and to bring healing to you, that's not going to happen. They can help you, but they cannot heal you. And too often where we stay is in ourselves. And when uh, we look at scripture in Jeremiah 17, uh, five through nine, read through that. It talks about us drawing our strength and our help and our coping from our own selves and how when we do that, when we rely on ourselves, we're limited to ourselves. And often we have a skewed perspective about what life should be and what we should be accomplishing and what we should be doing. And I always say, and I'm sure I said this before on this podcast, don't should on yourself. Like that's not good. Um, don't isolate yourself. There are people and there are, uh, communities and there is help for you to get the support you need, you don't have to rely on yourself. And so I think you can kind of get where I'm going here um, when we look at um, God for our coping mechanism. Can can God be our habit? Can God be um, our dependency? Can God be our addiction? He tells us all throughout scripture, like, come to me, like, what do I need to be healed? He's like, believe in me, believe all the things that I'm saying to you. He says, um, you know, if you're hungry and food is your addiction right now, food is your coping mechanism, like, come to me, John 5, 6, I was reading this morning, you know, come to me, I'm the bread of life. If you 
eat this bread, you will not be hungry again. Like that, like the answers are all through there. You have a coping, coping problem. You have an addiction. You have something that's destructive. I have the answers in here. It's written all throughout scripture. He's telling us depend on him. And he also tells us that our healing comes from him. And so while we may cope so that we can get the scaffolding, get the help to get to him, um, let's not hang on to our coping mechanisms, the things that we've loved and turned to in the past that haven't served us. They've helped us. They've helped us along the way, but now have they become destructive? And if they haven't been destructive, are they keeping you from the full healing that God is offering to you? That's the goal. If you stop moving forward toward that goal, today is the day to start. Right. We're, I mean, he tells us his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's, and that's, uh, but if I'm not a Jesus person, yeah, right, that sounds like, you know, rigmarole to me, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you and I know the truth of that. Yeah. And so, and if you have an experience with church where those just feel like extra words and like, okay, with your Jesus talk, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like, know that there's a, there's a truer, deeper relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. if you give him half a chance. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it's what Becky's talking about and what I've experienced couldn't, are all too real. That we, we sometimes I worry. I said this somewhere else. That we've created a shorthand for this relationship with God that means something to other believers, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean anything to us. Like, or doesn't mean anything to like the non-believer, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's no hope in. It was Rock of Ages. Where I was talking to someone. Oh, with my friend Jim Mumkamp, and he was talking about how God is the Rock of Ages and blah blah blah. And like, I love the imagery of that because I know and have experienced the yeah. right the context. Yeah. But if if I've just visited church, right. right, or my aunt was super religious, right, right, Rock of Ages is a song. Right. It's not a it's not a way of life. Yeah. You know, and so, um, so a let me just encourage you to find a place to connect with Jesus on a very real level. If you're not finding it where you grew up going to church or you're not finding it in your family's church or you're not finding it by not going to church, find a place, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be life church. It doesn't have to be, That's right. you know, but those are the places that I know. I know about life church online right now. We're not meeting in person. I know about life church downtown, which is meeting in person mm-hmm. actually beginning this Sunday at six. I know about alpha, find an alpha. It doesn't have to be life churches alpha. There's 16 alphas running at any given time. Find an alpha. It's like, Alcoholics Anonymous, there's always a meeting, but it's for like hopelessness, right? And meaninglessness. Like if you're, if you're a meaninglessness-aholic or a hopelessness-aholic, mm. find an alpha, right? Find an alpha meeting and get yourself to a meeting because there's legitimate, actual hope there. So, but let's talk a little bit, uh, if we can, Becky, about like if, if people are listening and they're like, I'm tired of the bad news. I'm tired of being coped up. I'm tired of not normal. Like what are what are some things that like – our listeners can like just step into doing right now. What should they turn off and mm-hmm. what should they turn on? Right. So what are you giving your attention to? Uh, what are you attached to? What are you giving your love to? Right. So if you're uh, attached to the news right now and it's not giving you good news, it's not encouraging you, it's making you feel bad. It's making you feel worse. That coping mechanism, we enter into that because we feel like if we are, if we have enough knowledge, we'll be able to, Uh, react or respond or control the issue. That's just not the case right now. Uh, 
the pendulum swings so far right and left. We're just all fatigued about it. What is solid in your life right now? And so sometimes we have to close those circles, right? We need to focus on what's solid in my life right now. And can I focus on those things and grow those things? Because if nothing else, if I don't tend to the plants in my garden that are, um, not giving me fruit, then they're not going to, um, they're not going to survive, right? Because I need to tend to them for them to continue in my life. If we can tend to the things in our lives that are good, the things that our lives that give us security and safety and and love and um, hope and, and grace, those are the things that will then uh, choke out the negative in our life. That's exactly what's going on in our brain though. So when we pay attention to things stimuli in our environment that give us red alerts, we're going to be hypersensitive to those red alerts. If we start focusing and redirecting our our neurons and, and our connections in our brain to things that are positive, those others will die off. Again, if you look at an MRI and look at your uh, response to certain stimuli, you'll actually see that, that over a period of time, if we do not reinforce certain thoughts, certain behavior, certain habits, they will indeed die off in our brain. In other words, our brain will forget or it will say that's not valuable anymore and it'll erase that connection. So the connection that you feel when you react to something, when we're in survival mode and, you know, cars coming and you turn the wheel that you didn't even think about, uh, that's what's going on in our emotions when we're hyperstimuli. So we think there's danger, eminent danger present. We have been conditioned these past few months to be told that there's danger eminent. There's a virus out there. There are murder Hornets. Hornets. Um, there, there is rioting. There is unrest. There's um, danger from those that we thought were the safest, right? You're taught as a child to go to the, the one in uniform and they'll help you, right? So we're being introduced to ideas that maybe that's not true. So we are on high alert. We can stay there and keep our attention on those things. Or we can start focusing on, okay, that may be true, but what can I build here? What do I already have in my hands? What's in my environment that I can focus on and grow those areas? That's when we start coping in a way that's proactive. Yeah, I just want to jump on something you started with where you were talking about, like, I mean, there's not much to do, right? And so we find ourselves at home, mm-hmm. either, as you said, watching the news or on social media, right? trying to get more information, trying to be fed, mm-hmm. right? trying to be distracted from the situation by television or distracted by, from the situation by social media. And the problem is we're being incited by mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people say, well, I got to stay informed. I got to know what's going on. But if, it, and this is just my opinion. This isn't the opinion of uh, Dr. Becky Elkintar or <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's not really a doctor or life church, but this is just my own opinion. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be informed in as so much or in so far as you can take action. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing you can do about it, shut it off. Mm-hmm. Like so, don't don't watch, you know, the news, red or blue news or left or right news mm-hmm. or whatever, and get incited by that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, don't let it get you worked up. That's 
you know, it's a fix. You love the adrenaline of that. And then, and then, and then what you'll do is you'll turn around and then go on the social media and regurgitate what you were just incited by on social media. And you're looking for a fight because there's nothing else going on. I might as well go and pick a fight on the social media. So you're fighting the feeling of helplessness. What can I possibly do? So let me incite my adrenaline and let me get in a fight on social media. And even though that didn't actually accomplish anything, I feel like I did something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do. Right. Because why? All of these are meant to create a desire for action in us. Something is wrong in my world. I need to do something about it. Unfortunately, on social media, we can get into phrase and not actually accomplish anything. Right. And listen, sorry, I'm interrupting you. I always try not to interrupt you. But listen, both the news and Facebook aren't there to inform you. They're not there to provide a platform for you to like know the world. Both are there to make money, right? And they make money on the news by having news that people will want to watch and get more of because then more advertisers will give them more money. Like Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg, yeah. Yeah. He's not the richest dude or one of the richest dudes in America because he gave you this platform so you can share, you know, friend pictures, right? He's there because people are attracted to social media so they can like be incited and like spread, right? And so, and he's not doing it sinisterly, mm-hmm. right? And neither is like MSNBC or Fox News. They're not sinister in what they're trying to do, but they are greedy in what they're trying to do. And so they're just trying to make more money. They don't care, right? That you're getting excited and not, uh, incited, not excited incited and you're picking fights with your spouse you're picking fights with your family you're picking fights with your friends they don't care about that Mm -hmm. they're irresponsible Mm -hmm. at best it's irresponsible and so you need to find the things in your life that aren't insightful i-n-c-i-t-e-f-u-l but find things that are insightful i-n-s-i-g-h-t-f-u-l right like where like you can gain more like grow more there's plenty to be mad about in your backyard. Right. There's plenty that's happening to like our neighbors. There's plenty that are happening to like the poor people or the old people or the like there's like a there's a thousand people that need your help. I can't do one I can't do one thing about I mean I, I can do one thing. I can vote, right? Mm-hmm. But my vote locally, I'm way off. I'm going to come back, though. Mm-hmm. I can do I can vote locally, and that makes a difference. My vote for Trump or for Pence or for Biden or for like uh, one one bajillionth of a fraction of a difference, but I can make a difference in the life of a kid right now. Right. I can make the difference in the in the life of an old person right, right now. Right? Like, why not do that? Yeah. Get mad about stuff that's happening here. Like, be passionate about something that's happening here. Make a difference here. Mm-hmm. Right? Because getting mad at Fox News or getting mad at MSB, NBC or over the Big Ideas Network or whatever. Like, right. like stop that. Yeah, it, I have actually heard, and I would agree with the statement that um, social media, we're, the world is so much bigger now. And it's so much bigger because we're aware of so much. We ha- we have so many sources of information uh, that are coming at us. We, we have so much stimuli every day. Um, and that's why it's important to shut it down, right? To shut it down and get in a quiet space. If that's meditation, if that's breathing, if that's walking in nature. Uh, because we were only created to be able to handle so much right so if all of these things are to help us to take action there's only so much action you can take in a day right if you end every single day feeling overwhelmed like you haven't done enough in the world your world is too big and you need to start to shrink that circle down if your world needs to be what's in my house right now hallelujah we had that opportunity and what did you do with that 
and it's not too late for anything if you didn't do anything and you just had a, a long-term inventory taking of whoa there are things here that I didn't realize were in me or around me or going on in my home or that I was struggling with and now that I've lost what I used to cope before it's really disrupting and really disturbing me then go back to that, right? Use your prefrontal cortex and enter in and take an assessment of what just happened the last few months and what can I do about that? Make your world small and then grow the circle. Let's look around at the people around me, my immediate family. Let's look at my neighbor. Those are the things that we can do to actually improve our growth. You're coping because your world is too big. You're feeling like there's nothing you can do and you're out of control. We can improve that and shut certain things down so that we're not overwhelmed and going back to the things that we thought were helping or that aren't helping us anymore. This this time in our lives has given us, an I hate using this word because it's overused, an unprecedented opportunity to take that inventory that you're talking about. Yes. Right? And, and as we've talked about on these episodes before, this is the perfect excuse to emerge differently. Mm -hmm. And so all the things that we talked about, all the things of our coping mechanisms and everything else, they're all artificial solutions, right? Temporary yes. and artificial. So to your point, Becky, we're like, I'm going to start at home. Whatever was broken at home, I'm fixing that right now, mm -hmm. right? And so if that changes who I am at work or how I work, so be it. If that changes you know, who I am with my friends or who I am with, so be it. I'm going to fix what's happening at home. And then yeah. I'm going to fix my near family. I'm going to fix my neighbors, right? The people that I'm in, in, uh, um, that I'm near to. Mm -hmm. There's a word. I just couldn't think of it. Anyway, that's real. That's not artificial. Those relationships, those experiences, right. those connections, those are all real. There's nothing mm -hmm. artificial about that. Mm -hmm. Going out and seeing the person that you only see at the bar, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, they're your bar friend. Mm -hmm. That's artificial. Mm -hmm. If there's no drink, there's no relationship. Mm -hmm. And if there's no relationship, there's no connection. It's all artificial. And so you're like, you're, you're play acting, you're pantomiming life mm -hmm. and real life is happening at home. Real life is happening with your neighbors and with your family. Pursue that as a, as a way to figure out how to cope with our situation. Cut out the things that are artificial. The news is artificial. Yes, it may really be happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like cut it out because it's not really affecting your life. Yeah. It has no impact on your life. And here's the thing. We're not saying to disregard bigger issues. Oh, there gosh, are please don't hear me say that. huge yep. issues in the world that need to be be addressed. But I completely believe in the law of nature and I believe in the ripple effect. And I believe in what Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, start at home. Don't start in Calcutta. Right. <laughs> Don't start in Calcutta. Don't start downtown Detroit. Start in your your home. Start in you first, right? That ripple effect the ability to heal not only yourself, but your children and the generations after you starts with you. The greatest difference you can make is in your own proximity. Proximity was the proximity, word I was Proximity, that's for, a good word. Right? And so that's that's where you make a difference. Yes. You know, I'm not going to change Trump or I'm not going to change Biden. I'm not going to change you know, Fauci and where the coronavirus is at and whether we're going to play baseball this year. I'm not going to change any of that mm -hmm. by griping about it or worrying about it, right? But I can change, like, is there oppression in my city? Right? right? Is that happening? I'm going to go make a change there. Is there oppression in myself? Is there oppression in myself? Ask yourself that question. Good Lord. Right. And if you haven't yet, let me encourage you to listen. I'm doing a lot of advertising this time. <laughs> 
There's a podcast that we uh, that we did here called A Pastor and a Rabbi Walk into a Cultural Crisis. It features Pastor Sean Hennessy and Rabbi Matt Rosenberg, where we talk about this culture crisis that we're in and this oppression and this stuff that's happening, not just in Detroit, not just in Seattle, right? Not just even downtown Green Bay, but it's happening in us. Right. And how do we deal with that as people? And especially how do we deal that with that as Jesus people? And so Absolutely. let me encourage you to listen to that podcast because it is so, so good. It's a limited series. There's only four episodes, uh, but it's really, really good. Let me just encourage you to, uh, to listen to that. Becky, I feel like we're out of time. I feel like we are. I think we've said it. Um, Sorry that I yelled so much. (laughs) It's all right. So if you want more information about these topics and anything else, please visit our website at j2wholeness.org. There are podcasts and uh, Facebook Lives where we're having discussions about these uh, blogs, as well as uh, our Journey to Wholeness program, which is a 12-week session, where you can actually learn the tools and do the inventory so that you can move from coping temporally and using artificial means for coping and move on to the coping that we know that brings growth and healing in your life. And if you want a stepladder to that place in your life, let me encourage you to look into Journey to Wholeness and, and, and registering for a Journey to Wholeness course coming up soon because it's like, it's worth, you're worth it. You're worth it. I feel it. like that's like a shampoo commercial, <laughs> like L'Oreal. I, I don't you're think worth it. it. <laughs> I'm going to look that up for that. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you think would benefit from hearing some of the things that we talked about. And we encourage you to subscribe uh, to the podcast as well so you always know when a new episode comes up. If you did like it, please uh, give us a review uh, because that really helps other people find out more about us. And so stay in your proximity, make a difference. Talk to you guys later.